Hello and welcome to the Decrypting Crypto Podcast. It's December 7th, 2023, and after a brief hiatus after the holidays, we are back. And we're back with a slightly special episode, one that we may live to regret. We are going to be sharing (laughs) our price predictions along with three predictions each for what we think are going to be some of the major events, outcomes, of 2024. We've typically, Austin, steered away from doing this kind of thing, but call me call me bullish, but I'm, I'm just caught up all in it right now. I, uh, I'm excited. I feel like we need to put a stick in the ground. We can come back next year and see how wrong we were, and we can have other people mock us uh, as if that didn't happen enough already. <laughs> oh, man. Sign me up, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> uh well how 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 are you doing? It's been a while. We've we've had a couple of weeks out. Uh you have a if, I mean Thanksgiving probably feels like a lifetime ago already. Oh yeah. Well, you know, I skipped Thanksgiving this year and went to the Caribbean. So <laughs> Oh, sounds so awful. Uh, sounds so awful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I was still very thankful though. Uh and that's yeah. what matters, right? So yeah, it's good to be back, Matt. Um, holidays. Did are you go do off, some man. sightseeing of the old FTX? Uh, <laughs> oh, I, I didn't tell you. I actually bought uh, the villa. Yeah, and I, I bought the FTX building and everything. Uh, I was going down to that's, visit my property. That's amazing. I will take uh, Suzu's super yacht and I'll come and visit <laughs> you. That's wonderful. Yeah, come on down. And uh, in a couple years, we can find ourselves being pursued by Interpol. <laughs> oh, we can only hope. We can only hope. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, on that note, should we dive straight in? Let's do it. All right. This is the this is the moment where we potentially redeem all of our previous sins, or we further exacerbate the lack of credibility that we have, where we take a moment to give a prediction for what we think BTC and ETH, the top price that it will hit in 2024. Austin and I have individually put together some predictions. We'll share them and, you know, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk through it. Why don't we, uh, why don't we start with, with Bitcoin? A few things going on with Bitcoin this year. You want to share where did you net out as your your price peak for 2024? Yeah, you know, I will tell you, I don't think too much about uh, price peaks and and predict annual predictions and things like that for BTC values. But um, I, I, so this is more a proxy of kind of just how I think next year is going to go in general, if that makes sense. I yeah. know that there are a lot of predictions that Bitcoin <laughs> could break 100k. I think that would be super interesting. I'm more at the 70K mark. Uh, The reason for that is I think that there are going to be externalities next year that Mm -hmm. will impact Bitcoin. I think that it's going to be certainly on a growth trajectory and it's going to have some good rallies. I think once it gets to its all-time high, given where where other things in the market are going to be at, it could create some downward pressure on it. So that put me at the 70K mark. It's a beautiful, beautiful price. I'd love it. And you know, maybe, maybe uh, we're we're thinking along the same lines here. I, you, if you'd have asked me this question two months ago, I'd probably have a very different uh, response. But 
yeah, I've put in his 79K. I think we will push past the all-time high uh, of BTC next year. And I think from my side, you know, something that gets me excited. So what we've seen this year is a glimmer of optimism. It's optimism in the market around, one, a potential soft landing in the economy of the US, at least. Two, the prospect of rate reductions next year. The market is is, is aggressively pricing in, I think, as, as close as March for, for that. Um, and the increased likelihood that the BTC um, ETF is going to be improved. Uh, approved, sorry. And I think, you know, with that last piece, the ETF, that has been a catalyst for, for price pressure. And when we think about news events that drive price, I am a big proponent in general of sell the news, right? Typically, most news in crypto doesn't actually have a structural impact, right? Like positively uh, afterwards. I think about stuff like airdrops or big partnerships, whatever, right? Airdrops typically will actually go in and um, create downward pressure because it's just a flooding supply into the market that most people dump. Partnerships are cool, but you know when the partnership happens, unless there's something like fundamental that's actually creating buying activity, you know nothing structural has changed, and that's why I think you know NFTs is a great example of that. The ETF is different, and I appreciate that that's a bit of a cliche. It's different this time, right? But this is a this is a structural change. It is the the moment that this ETF, fingers crossed, gets approved. Capital will almost immediately be injected into the market. More importantly, mm-hmm. directly creating spot demand for BTC. And it, it's just hard to see how that doesn't positively impact BTC price. Now, do I think it's going to fire up to 79K from there? No. But then there's momentum. You know, we've got the price of uh, the BTC halving that mm-hmm. um, I think is May, right? So I'm estimating that we get the ETF approval in the middle of January. We have a nice rally. Maybe things kind of settle a bit. And then we've got the halving happening pretty soon after that. It's just momentum. I don't think the halving would have had that much of an effect if we didn't have the ETF or at the Mm -hmm. level that I think we see. And that's where I feel like, you know, Q2 could be just a, a, a real, real big quarter. And if if we see rate uh, reductions come in from the fed that's that's when i think this thing goes to and, and pushes past all time high yeah yeah i think that's really solid rationale i mean definitely the um the the etf is going i think that's going to have a a considerable effect and then if we can build momentum from there um i it, yeah it's it's definitely in the cards and what do we think about eth so, you know, we've been talking probably the most about Bitcoin since like 2017. Like no one, nothing really ever happened in Bitcoin since really like 2017. And, you know, the whole like uh, Bitcoin Cash, Segwit stuff that that was really of interest. You know, there's a bunch of stuff that's happened like 
uh, the taproot upgrade, but it happened in like the depths of the bear, so nobody cared. And everything is usually centered around like ETH or a another flashy blockchain that that comes up and out. Um, what what do we think next year's got in store for ETH? I think ETH will go up considerably next year, but I think it's going to kind of slow out near its all-time high again. So similar mm. to my prediction for Bitcoin, I think ETH will... I, I mean, there is some good news on the horizon for ETH. Yep. Uh, I also think it will benefit from Bitcoin's growth as it generally tends to. Yeah. So just sort of, you know, the rising tide raises all boats, or at least the, you know, the boats that are closest to the giant Hopefully my boats. Yeah, Hopefully yeah, exactly. my ones. <laughs> no kidding. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think I, I'm thinking somewhere around the, the $4,500 mark. Yeah, that would be that would be great. I mean, the all time high is like 4,800. I think it is for four, let me just check coin. Yeah, 4,878. That was November 2021. Yeah, 21. Yeah, we're down like 54% from there today. <clears throat> and I'm I'm kind of with you on on this. I think that it will that it doesn't have the same catalysts in the first half of the year. I think that BTC does. ETH, um, I think is I've kind of put down my prediction as four thousand one hundred. I think it doesn't end up hitting into the all time high territory in twenty twenty four. I think twenty twenty five gets super exciting for. For ETH, which I'll, I'll come on to a little bit later as to why I think that is. Um, but, uh, you know, the SEC just delayed BlackRock's first application for the ETH ETF. Um, mm-hmm. we've, we've, we've got this, like you say, rising tide effect that comes from BTC. We nearly always see this. When BTC, I think BTC dominance is going to grow in 2024 um and typically like the way i think this all plays out really is we get back to the classic cycle effect that we we see every every year like uh, every big cycle btc leads eth slightly lags eth has a massive pump and then that kind of pulls back and then we see the cycle into the altcoins and that's when we see like the Mm -hmm. kind of the, the peak frenzy and when altcoins peak that's when you want to be out, <laughs> out and on the sidelines, and, you know, and then we, we, we kind of start again. So <clears throat> I feel like we're kind of aligned here. I, I, you know, it's, uh, it's looking a lot rosier than probably me and you both thought when we were starting this year as to what we were expecting for 2024. And I know that a lot of our earlier episodes, we were kind of saying, look, we're at least a couple of years out. I mean, we were still licking our wounds from FDX um, at the start of this year, right? Oh yeah, uh, the start of this year was bad. <laughs> <laughs> it oh, really man. was. Yeah. Was... Now speaking of a rough year, uh, what do you think for next year with regards to the federal funds rate? Well, this this is a super important one. You know, I this year, I, I love this on on Twitter. Everyone now becomes a a macro expert. <laughs> you know, we had this in. Uh, during the pandemic and I, I think it's been great actually for the conversation and more people to dig deeper into macro and I don't think that we can understate 
the importance of central banks in the wider kind of crypto kind of asset class, but also the knock-on effect that this has across pretty much all financial markets. Now, <clears throat> people were talking earlier this year, um, sorry, in the middle of this year, we would see a rate decrease in uh, before the end of this year. I I did, did not think that. And actually, yeah. uh, up until recently, my take was that it was touch and go on whether we would even see a, an interest rate reduction from the Fed next year. There's two kind of camps, right, before we kind of even answer the, the question of whether we think that, that there's going to be rate reductions. There's two reasons why the Fed would reduce rates. I think we can probably both agree that in uh, that inflation is probably not going to just break out, right? It feels like inflation, we've by and large got a handle on it. And more of the conversation now is about, has the Fed gone too far? And, you know, will there be a major recession? I think there's two reasons why the Fed would reduce rates next year. One, which is the worst case scenario, is that we hit a hard landing. It's a big recession, the Fed realizes that they overdid it and they have to aggressively reduce rates. Sounds great when you're like, oh, aggressively reduce rates. Wonderful. But if you're in max recession, growth assets, largely equities, I think also crypto could could get hurt with this, will hurt. And, you know, you're not going to, I think that's like the biggest risk to us having a big breakout year is big recession. The second reason, which I think is going to be one of the discussions that keeps coming up over the next few months, which reminds me a little bit of the end of the pandemic. Is inflation sticky uh, or is it transitory? <laughs> Remember that whole great kind of like months we mm -hmm. had for uh, to, to enjoy the back and forth? Well, I think this is now like, you know, are we going to experience the Fed introducing rate normalization where the idea being, you know, the Fed just wants to naturally bring down that rate so that individuals, um, companies, uh, institutions are not getting squeezed on lending. They want to open up credit markets. They want to make it so that, you know, we're getting back to a reasonable rate and just adjust that down a little bit. You know, how many basis points that that is is another thing. I am in the camp that it will be we, the Fed will look at like some kind of rate normalization. And so my take here is that I think we will see rate reduction next year. And I actually think the first rate reduction is going to come in May. Um, and I know that's pretty early. I think the market's pricing in March, which I think is way too optimistic. And I think if I were to kind of say, where do I think we'll be at the end of the year? We're at what, five and a half percent now fund rate? I think we we go down a full basis point. Uh, so sorry, a full point. Uh, so hundred bits, four point five percent by the end of end of the year. So I think that's kind of my my take. That might be a bit aggressive, but that's where I think we're at. What 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 about you, Austin? Yeah, so I agree with you. I think that the Fed is going to reduce interest rates next year. In terms of the timing of it, I've really bounced around on this. Um, <laughs> And I, I'm just going to say Q3. I think yep. that if it were going to happen in Q2, it, it would be as late in Q2 as possible. 
Um, I'm feeling more and more like it's it's going to start in Q3. And I think that it's we may see something like a total next year of 100 basis points reduction split over four separate cuts of 25 basis points. So we've got a, a, a rate of four five and a half percent right now that would get us down to four and a half percent ish. That's that's sort of what I would expect. You know, you talk about like the rationale for that. W- would it be this, uh, you know, this sort of um, like an economic recession that we that the Fed feels that they need to recover from? Or is it more related to inflation? I think that uh, I'm a little bit bearish next year um, as to whether we're really going to experience that uh, an an economic recovery. And I think that the Fed will be under some pressure to reduce rates partway through the year as a result of that. And I'm not convinced that that will have the effect that they will intend it to have when they do. Uh, we can get into yeah. that when, when we get into our predictions. But um, that's kind of how, how I'm thinking about the Fed, right? I think it's going to be a fascinating year. And <clears throat> I, I do think like the where you sit in like the timings of all of this, uh, you know, people I've seen kind of talking about, you know, Q1, we get rate reductions, then it'll be party time. My take is if the Fed are pushing a Q1 rate reduction, it means something's really bad in the economy and i don't think that's party time like i i don't think it can be overstated like how much that would hurt especially the run in equities in particular that you know recessions are bad for equities because it really hurts earnings and that the knock-on effect that that will be could we see a flight into crypto off the back of that maybe crazier things have, have happened um but i'm not sure i think what we will see is I think the FX market's going to be super interesting because while I feel with a relatively high degree of confidence that the Fed will reduce rates in um, 2024, like whenever that is, right? I don't believe that the Bank of England will follow a similar path. I think the UK may keep rates steady now i will say there's an election year along with the us right so that also throws uh, a, a wrench in the works so to speak but you know if you are if the uk does not reduce rates that's bullish for sterling right because you want to have pound sterling because you've got a higher bank rate which means you're going to earn more interest so it should gain on the dollar i think that generally speaking the us economy is probably one of the like of the major economies that have experienced high inflation, which is the majority of them, um, that are most likely to reduce rates, which would signal to me, you know, the US dollar weakens. The euro, likely the European Central Bank is hinting towards rate reductions next year. But so, yeah, I I look at this, I'm like, okay, it's going to be kind of interesting. But typically, when the dollar performs really well, it's not always great for crypto. So a weakening dollar should also potentially be a tailwind here as well. So I think macro is going to be really interesting. But now we've kind of wrapped up that piece. Why don't, why don't we dive into our three kind of high level 
predictions uh, for for next year. What? Um, why don't you kick us off, Austin? I think we're going to experience some additional crypto regulation crackdown. I, I, I know that's not some groundbreaking predip- prediction, but we're definitely, uh, I, I think that that train and trend is going to continue. I think CZ is going to have a rough year, but I also think that Gensler will probably have a rough year and continue to come under additional pressure for the, uh, the aggressive and opaque approach that has been taken to crypto regulation especially mm-hmm. considering that next year is going to be one of political turmoil and Gensler will be you know, no exception to that. So how do you, th- I how think, do you think that, that plays out in the, in the, in the context of the U S um, election year? Do you, do you think crypto will be a theme? I think, you know, we saw Elizabeth Warren and you know, okay. Jamie Dimon, you know, he's, he's always up to his old tricks, but kind of saying, you know, that crypto is a huge threat. They'd kill it if they could, Feels like they they're gearing up a narrative, which is usually uh, to take the attention away to something else. But what's what's your take on that? For sure, um, I think that uh, the U.S. establishment doesn't like crypto until they're in control of it. <laughs> yeah, and so um, you know you're going to continue to hear that from people like. Uh, Elizabeth Warren and, and Jamie Diamond and and you know establishment re- Republicans and 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 most Democrats. There, of course, there are exceptions. Um, I also think that Gensler is starting to come under pretty direct attack from uh, maybe the anti-establishment wing of the Republican Party, like Vivek, for example, has mm. directly called him out. Um, I don't think Vivek is going to win or anything like that, but I do think that he's a mag, he's become a magnet and a force in yep. U.S. politics, um, and definitely is getting people to to think about things that maybe they weren't thinking about before. So, I could see that even you know e- even if um, like the establishment prevails or or if Democrats win or or whatever it may be, may not spe- still may not spell well for Gensler. I, I I think that he's on some shaky ground here. I, I, I completely agree with you there. And, you know, you mentioned as well, CZ having a rough year. It's worth, it's worth remembering, you know, he, he's pleaded guilty. He's due for sentencing personally in, I think it's the 23rd, 24th of Feb, something yeah. like that next year. He faces up to 18 months in, in prison, which to be honest, considering the, uh, the charges that he's pleaded mm-hmm. guilty to, right. You know, not reporting FinCEN like violations or red flags. Oof, 18 months. That's it's looking pretty good, especially if you're a uh, Sam yeah. Bankman Freed and looking at that, you're thinking, damn, <laughs> that uh th- that guy got off pretty nice. Uh so yeah, I I, I don't agree with you. Um I'll, I'll take one of my predictions. So uh my prediction is that we escape a US recession next year. I'm I'm team soft landing now. I was my prediction at the start of last year, was that we have the mother of all recessions. So quite the turnaround from from me. Uh, I'll, I'll call that out. Um, <laughs> and, and I think that equities have the mother of all rallies in Q2, Q3. Um, and I think it's going to be led by tech. I think the, uh, w- the crowd that don't believe NVIDIA and Co can go any higher 
are going to be left in amazement as to what happens in Q2, Q3. I think if we see, as I uh, have kind of suggested, a reduction in interest rates and we escape a recession, equities pump led by tech. And I think the AI kind of craze goes, goes crazy. Um, I have, I will point out, I don't have exposure uh, there, but um, that's, that's, that's my first prediction is that's going to, that's going to happen. It's going to happen pretty hard. I would love to see that happen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah. It's been a while since I've even got, I mean, I just avoid looking at equities. I mean, we've started having like good, nice pockets uh, here and there, but um, you know, I'm largely, I think I only just got out of being underwater for the first time in in quite some time on my equities portfolio. Um, So it would be, it would be welcome. That's for sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm a a little bit on the other side of the fence as far as the economy goes. My, my prediction there would be, I I don't think that we're going to have a hard landing. I also Mm -hmm. don't think that the soft landing that was promised is really still on the table. Um, I, think we're I saw someone on Bloomberg uh, <laughs> being interviewed. I mean, it's actually, I, I can't remember if it was uh, BNP Paribas or, or someone like that. And, and they were saying, we're expecting a soft-ish landing. I feel like this is <laughs> now, now it's become soft-ish. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, so I don't think that economic recovery is going to happen next year, though I certainly think that there will be attempts at it. Um, and I think that the Fed reducing rates will be one of those attempts. But I think that the real estate market is going to continue to struggle. Obviously, commercial real estate has been, you know, on the fritz for some time, if not full on collapsing when you, depending on how you slice the market. Now, um, you know, uh, single family homes all across the U.S. are struggling with significant reductions in major metros. I also think that in Q1, we could see some pops of CPI. Um, that could mm. could spook folks. Like I'm, I'm not fully convinced that inflation is perfectly under control. Um, although I, I do think that like generally it's it's stabilized. But I think that there could be some news uh, coming out about inflation and and CPI pops early is, next. Is there year. anywhere? Is there any part of CPI in particular that you think you know might might drive that? We're talking more like goods, or we're thinking energy, or any, or, or just in general. I think that it's the way that I I would put it is um, that it's going, it could potentially work through areas that it hasn't worked through yet, if that makes sense. Um, So uh, I, I also think that CPI is, is a, is a fundamentally flawed measure. So you could even get some, you know, some bad data in there that, that could be the cause of, of a pop. Um, but I'm not. I, the The main point here is that I'm not fully convinced that that we're not going to have some volatility in CPI early uh, next year. I also think that layoffs could continue to 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 spread to other industries oh, that they yeah. haven't hit yet. Um, I agree with, and this. that's not. Yeah, that's not going to be a great story. Like especially to to sort of the traditional industry. Like you know, layoffs have obviously already really harshly worked their way through tech, but less so to the sort of traditional facets of the economy. Mm. Um, when, I think when we're going to see a new there, round of that. I think we'll see a new round of that in tech. You know, we had, mm-hmm. was it Spotify announcing 1,400 
uh, layoffs yesterday. I, I do think that Q1 will be a lot of tech layoffs with if if you're in if you're in tech and you're anticipating that there isn't going to be a, a soft landing you know it, you're probably you're probably saying hmm maybe we we should be cutting back here assuming you know that you're you're already operating in a either like negative ebitda or in a non profitable in general like place it's, it, we are, we will definitely see this, uh, and I I looked at you know, Spotify. I think it was yesterday, yesterday or the day before, when they announced the layoffs. Uh, stock price popped. It's it's what investors are calling for. Yeah, it really is. Um, and yeah, I'm with you on the tech layoffs as well. I think that's that's likely to tick up again next year. Um, but I don't think it's going to be so tech focused. Which actually, yeah, that is bad news. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh yeah, much bigger um, numbers, right? Yeah, yeah. I also think that these you know the wars um that the the horrific wars that we're seeing across the world in in Europe and the Middle East, potentially some stuff kicking up in South America, who knows what's going to happen with China and Taiwan. I know that that's been a boogeyman for a long time, but nevertheless, yeah. I think that these are going to continue to be a problem. Um I also think that there's likely going to be some social unrest and chaos in the Western world, definitely in the United States. It's an election year next year, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and when there is social unrest and chaos in the United States, it tends to spread all throughout the the Western world um, because of the internet and media and this dispersal of, of of information and uh, culture. Um, So all of this is to say, I think that these, factors are going to reduce the likelihood that we have a true economic recovery next year. I think that the Fed is going to cut rates, but as I hinted at earlier, I don't think that that is going to lead to an economic recovery. I think it may even be a reaction to some of these things. Um, With that said, likely what that means is that there will be some good opportunities to purchase assets whether that be hard assets or assets like Bitcoin, I think that actually th- this this could, p- depending on how all of this unfolds, it could be a bullish thing for Bitcoin as yeah. folks look to, to put their money into assets or into alternative monetary systems. Well, I'm not sure if you followed this uh, this week. I think gold hit an all-time high. Um, it's, it's retraced now. Um, and I think that was, from what I understand, uh, there were murmurs of news that additional conflict, uh, I believe with Russia, um, <clears throat> were kind of uh, on the horizon with the US. So I think it just shows the fragility in, in some of this mm-hmm. and how it can tip over into assets. One thing that's kind of left me a little bit perplexed in December time, end of November, is oil. Uh, you know, we, we, oil had been just on this massive upward trajectory for obvious reasons. We saw that off the back of the um, Israel, um, uh, the, the war with Hamas, and uh, oil and Brent crude kind of pushing 
pushing up to kind of the $90 a barrel mark, most people, myself included, thinking that was going to hit up to $100 plus barrels max paying for consumers going into the peak of winter. And, you know, it's it's, it's dropped down to something like $73, $74 on Brent crude. And OPEC just met. They said they were going to kind of pull back supply and the market shrugged it off and kind of said, no, we don't believe it. <laughs> you know, it's just, I, I feel like there's just stuff that's on the precipice of just causing chaos. So mm-hmm. yeah, I can see how a lot of this plays out. All right, my my last two. Um, so I'll, I'll cover these two together and then we can jump into your, your last one, Austin. Uh, so I think real world asset protocols, um, they're being hyped up a little bit this this year. I think it's going to be a major, if not the major crypto narrative in the second half of 2024. And I think this kicks off a new wave of excitement in DeFi. I think a lot, when I think about what are some of the stuff that's been really built during this kind of crypto winter, a lot of where I've been spending my time and speaking to founders um, and really playing around myself has been in the real world asset space, tokenized bonds, treasuries, uh, real estate, you know, even um, like uh, physical collectibles, which I'm, albeit slightly less bullish on, but I think it's interesting in itself, like even accounts payables. We saw tokenized debt for uh, claims, uh, bankruptcy claims on FTX, you know, so it's all this kind of stuff. I think we're going to see a lot of super interesting protocols. I won't go into detail on like the protocols I, I like, but maybe that's a different show. So I think that's going to be a huge one. I think that will be the leading charge of when we rotate into alts, which I do think will happen next year. And then my big one, honestly, that I think will be a huge moment next year is I think in Q4, 2024, that we get the ETH spot ETF approved. I would love it to happen earlier than that, but I think it even happening in 2024 is is optimistic, but I think it happens in Q4. And I think that just sends us on into overdrive going into 2025, uh, where where we see ETH hit all-time highs. So they're my they're my they're my big ones. Yeah, awesome. Um some exciting things ahead there. Uh Ooh, you want some more excitement and entertainment? I'll, I'll serve some up to you, Matt. My last and final prediction is that Gavin Newsom and Donald Trump will be the U.S. presidential candidates in 2024. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so why do I think this? Um, I, I just don't think that it's likely that that Joe Biden will be the candidate that the Democrats will want to run. And that is assuming that he even can run. By that time, obviously, he's had. This is a real contrarian take. Uh, yeah, wow. yeah. You think yeah. you think uh, our man from California has uh, enough support? Um, you know, I think that it can be drummed up. I think that that's part of the reason why he was doing why he did the debate with Ron DeSantis. Mm. Um, I think it's why he recently vetoed several bills in California that would have been popular in California, but would have been very unpopular on the national stage. I think he's exactly the type of politician. He's a, he's a brilliant politician. I don't, I don't know how familiar you are with him. Um, I'll be, I'll but, be honest. And, I, I mean, I know at a surface level, really some of the work he's done as governor of California, but not to any level of degree as I would for, for some of the other candidates. 
Yeah. Well, you know, watch, watch a couple videos of him speaking. He's an excellent speaker. There was one interview that he did recently where he was asked why he's doing the debate with Ron DeSantis. And his answer was incredible. I mean, he leveled Ron DeSantis with his answer. Um, so yeah, excellent speaker. I also think that, um, it, you know, he's one of, of a handful of folks that the Democrats have that could really give Trump a, a run for his money. If you look at the national polls right now, they have Trump winning over Biden. Um, I think that Biden would have a really hard time in, in debates with Trump. Um, and Gavin, is, is that would, he, he might would, fall, he might fall asleep or fall over. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. I mean, it's sad, but, uh, I, I, I think <laughs> that's, you know, that's, that's kind of where we're at there. And I also think that they can't do the same thing, uh, that they did in, in 2020 and kind of hide him away. I, I, I don't think yeah. that that will go over quite so well, um, this time around because now he has a little bit more of a track record and, um, you even see, you know, lifelong Democrats st starting to, to say that they're uh, turning on him, um, mm. which is is a bizarre thing to see. Um, yeah. Even people that were like very, you know, celebrities um, that were very, very anti-Trump saying, I might consider it. Um, and I, I have to imagine that the Democrats are scared. And so I think that either Gavin Newsom or, you know, some somebody else. I, I I think they're they're going to try to shoehorn in uh, into Joe Biden's place. I think it's going to be a difficult thing to do. Don't get me wrong. I think it will be very awkward, especially with Kamala Harris sitting there. Right. Um, that, that was going to be my question. Is like, what about Kamala and all this? You know, if if I were going to make a prediction, I think Sleepy Joe gets another term. Um, I, mm -hmm. and my my main rationale behind that is that, um. I don't buy a lot of this polling around Donald Trump, uh, to, to be like completely honest. I, I think Trump is a weaker candidate now than, uh, than he was actually in the last kind of election run. I, I think there's some of the stuff, you know, for his, for his existing base, a large chunk of those are not going to care about all of like the legal battles and stuff like that. I think people on the edge, it's enough to put them off. And I think with all of the turmoil that we've been kind of facing over the past kind of few years, I, I kind of, I, I wonder if what people want is just a little bit of stability. I could be completely off on that. And I think maybe, you know, if there was a stronger candidate than Trump, someone that was just like new, fresh energy that, and I don't think the Republicans have, anything close to that right otherwise trump would never be in the frame i mean it's kind of crazy to think that trump is likely going to be the u.s presidential cam uh, candidate after the last election campaign right and it really shows the, the state of affairs i think in the the republican party at this point in terms of the qual the caliber of other candidates um so i just think joe can kind of get in there but yeah with 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 kamala like that would have been my natural if Joe doesn't run, that's who's running. But interested to get you. Well, I think that's I think that's what's going to be awkward for the Democrats is that I, I think the Democrats don't want Kamala. Mm. Um, but I, and and also Kamala is incredibly unpopular uh, on the yes. national stage. Um, so that that would be tough for them. But I how they come up with the excuse for putting a white another white guy in front of her. I mean, good luck. You know, can, can we just um, go with this is America? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, 
But, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I, I hear what you're saying with ignoring the polling. I mean, this stuff has been inaccurate time and time again, right? So yeah. I, I think that's a good take. At the same time, I can't ignore the fact that the more that the prosecu- the criminal prosecutions and lawsuits have come after Trump, the more his polling, the more he's grown in the polls. Yeah, it's actually yeah. created a tailwind for him. It's wild, um, really, isn't it? When you think about it logically. Yeah. Uh, but, you know. Well, I mean, Americans love an underdog. And sure. I think there's a pretty broad perception that this is a political persecution that's happening. I'm not saying that the whole country feels that way or that there's any consensus on it. I'm saying that's what the tailwind is. You know, mm-hmm. the more that, that, that people see like so, so much coalescing around attacking Trump, for, you know, from so many different institutions and things like that, um, the more that he may gain some sympathy. I mean, Americans love an underdog story, not to say that Trump is yeah. an underdog, but, you know, it, it can well, be painful that way, himself. right? Yeah, he'll make himself exactly. the underdog, yes. right? and that's his that's his position. Yeah, you know, if I were to take the other side of the uh, uh, of my previous take, and I look at to 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 one of your previous points, right? Lots of social unrest and chaos. There is a lot of highly contentious topics that mm-hmm. big, bold, pressure statements and contrarian opinions can can be formed around. You know, like the Israel situation, uh, Russia. I, I'm waiting for the the moment of, I guess, we're seeing this in some countries in Europe where people are saying, hey, should we still be funding this? This isn't our war, right? You know, we're all struggling domestically. I feel like that narrative starts to appear in the in the race. Oh, yeah, that's a very, by, by very popular narrative in the US right now, the, the, the anti-war narrative. Yeah, you you also have the the border crisis, um, and by the way, both of those issues are are issues where Donald Trump's policies have been vindicated, um, yeah. and so I you know like Trump was like super super big on the border, and then now we have a border crisis. Like wow, that's an easy one for him. He was mm-hmm. the only president in modern American history to not get us into wars. In fact, to create historic middle east peace deals i mean wow that fell right into his hands uh so i mean you know i i think that it's it's tough i think that the republicans do have some you know strong candidates like there's been i've seen a lot of um you know democrat interest early on in in nikki haley that's kind of petered off a little bit um a a lot of interest especially from silicon valley of course in Vivek. And if you look at Vivek, he's like a more polished and palatable Trump. But but I don't think he's totally palatable to Trump's base. It, and and that Trump was, has I was just going to say, it, can he can he capture the Trump base? And I think that's, you know, if if there was a vacuum, right, of Trump, mm-hmm. like, yeah, I could kind of maybe see the argument for Vivek, but I just, I think he just, he can't, his, his battle is winning you know, the Republicans versus kind of getting kind of the swing voters. I think he, he will probably do a good job of that. It's just getting that Trump base away is, I guess it's the kind of albatross that's kind of hanging over the next, I guess, to a certain extent of the Republican Party in, in, in many ways. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, I think if, if Trump were to to just like F off and endorse somebody, yeah. you know, it maybe maybe it would be possible, but he's not doing that. So, you know, here's where we are. Um, so we'll see what happens uh, in, in 2024. I think it's going to be a wild year, man. I mean, yeah, you know, if, if, if 
I, I feel optimistic though. You know, we were sat mm-hmm. in December time, January time, and we were kind of we were very downbeat about the prospects of the year. This, this year was really has actually surpassed my expectations in in many ways. Actually, of where I thought this would all play out. Um, and I'm not saying it's been a good year by any stretch of the imagination, but I think from a asset appreciation across many different asset classes, uh, a lot more positive. And, you know, we, we've obviously talked about the fight against inflation. I feel like that fight has went a lot better than I thought it would have, let's just mm-hmm. say. Um, so I'm feeling next year, there's going to be a lot of craziness. You know, I feel like every year we have a black swan event, right? So we had the SVB crash and the, the, the retail banking crisis, which you forget was this year, right? It wasn't even that long ago. It feels like years ago already now, right? And, uh, the one penny that feels like it hasn't dropped this year that we probably, I, I seem to remember us talking a little bit about is that the housing market. And I am firmly with your prediction that we're going to get max pain real estate market uh, next year. So we'll see how that all plays out. But this has been fun. We should do this. We should do this more often. Let's check in on how we're we're trending on some of these predictions as we go through the year. We'll wrap things up now because I feel like we're we're rambling off into the the tangents of U.S. politics at this point. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> not fun. People are like Can you just talk about crypto, please. Uh, but uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, we'll 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 follow up. And <clears throat> Austin, I don't know about you, but I can't wait for a seventy k plus BTC. So you know, oh see yeah, moon. See you there, Matt. The contents of the Decrypting Crypto podcast should not be used and are not intended as investment advice. Please do your own due diligence before making any investment, cryptocurrency or otherwise.